Taylor. It's great to be here with you today. My wife Ann's sitting right there next to my dear old friends, Joe and Susan Entz, an emphasis on the old. <laughs> you got it, Susan. I'm here for you. I meant that in love, believe me. Well, what a, what a blessing to be here. We've been looking forward to this for, for a while, and um, I tell you, you know, you, I don't mean this to shine you guys on. You don't need that, but you can feel the love of Jesus Christ in here. And I know you're missing some of your souls, right, today. Some people are messing around in Marshall. Is that where they are, out there? And, uh, but there's, there's a warmth and a genuineness and a seeking after God while he may be found and a calling upon him while he is near. So I, I'm just thrilled uh, to be here today. And I would, Taylor, if it's okay with you, I would, uh, I'd like to read the scripture again. It's a, it's a verse you can't hear too many times, I don't believe, Hebrews 11.1. 1. And before I read it, uh, I would like to ask you, if you will, just out of reverence for the voice of the king to stand to your feet. Father, now as we come to your holy word, we ask that you would speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. Give us fresh manna today, Father, fresh bread. We are hungering and thirsting this day after the righteousness of Jesus, so feed us, Lord. Feed us, and as we hear your word, remind us that all of us are like grass, and all our glory like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower falls, but the word of our God abides forever. We ask it in the holy name of Jesus. Amen. Hebrews 11, verse 1. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Please be seated. In the book of Hebrews, Jesus Christ is presented to us as being superior to and supreme over all things. For example, in the book of Hebrews, Jesus Christ is revealed to us as being in every possible way superior to the angelic host who spend every moment of eternity surrounding the throne of God, falling down on their faces before him in worship. Jesus Christ is revealed to us in the book of Hebrews as being in every way superior even to Moses, the great lawgiver and liberator of the people. He's revealed to us as being superior in every way through his high priesthood to the Levitical priesthood and even that of Melchizedek. Jesus Christ is revealed to us in the book of Hebrews as being in every possible way superior even to the tabernacle that that uh, house made with human hands for the worship of God because Jesus has become the eternal tabernacle, all worship coming to him and residing in him. Jesus Christ is revealed to us in this book as being the mediator of a superior covenant 
one that is sealed in and ratified by and made open and available to all through the blood of his cross because he is the superior sacrifice, the once and for all sacrifice, superior in every way to the continuing sacrifices of bulls and goats. Hebrews begins like this. In many and various ways, God spoke of old to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, He has spoken to us by a son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, and through whom he created the world. He is the radiance of God's glory, the express image of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. Now, before I go on, let me tell you, I preach in a rescue mission. I'm used to people talking back to me, so go for it. That's how Hebrews begins. Thirteen chapters later, here's how it ends. Now may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ, that great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the everlasting covenant, equip you for everything good to do his will, working in you that which is pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and forever. Amen. You can almost hear the angels cry, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. You can almost hear the prophet asking, Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord, the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor grows weary, and his understanding is unsearchable. You can almost hear the apostle declaring, Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments, how inscrutable are his ways, for from him... And through him and to him are all things to him alone be the glory. In between those two bookends of mystery and majesty, is stuffed our little verse for the morning. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for the conviction of things not seen. By the way, that word faith or a cognate of that word faith is found some 24 times just in this one chapter, in the 11th chapter. I'm simple-minded enough to think that is so. It's in there so much because God is trying to make a point with it. May I suggest to you that the point the Holy Spirit is trying to make is that faith, 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 is the engine driving the superiority and the supremacy of Jesus Christ from age to age, from border to border, from generation to generation. Faith, faith, faith. Faith is the agency. Faith is the generator. 
moving the superiority and the supremacy of Jesus Christ from border to border, from child to child, from parent to parent, from heart to heart, moving the supremacy, the superiority of Jesus Christ toward you. Faith. A statement often attributed to Martin Luther goes like this. The Christian faith, he said, consists of personal pronouns. It's one thing to say Christ is the Savior. It's another thing altogether to say Christ is my Savior. The devil can say the first. Only a true believer can say the second. Faith is the assurance of of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. If I understand that word assurance correctly, it comes from a Greek word, a New Testament word, which means at its heart, something seized tightly in your hand, something precious, something treasured, something that is necessary for you, that is gripped tightly in your hand, something I might even say, something that is gripped and seized and clutched tightly in your hand that gives life to you, that is absolutely critical to you, and it's gripped so tightly in your hand, not in somebody else's hand, but in your hand, gripped so tightly that no man, no power on earth, hell, or heaven could ever succeed in in ripping it out of your hands. Conviction, if I understand that word correctly, also comes from a Greek New Testament word, which means at its heart, something that is seen clearly and indisputably with your eye, not someone else's eye, but something seen clearly and without equivocation to be what it is, to be what it purports to be. You see it for what it is. Clearly, your eye sees it. I believe it was Job who said, Lord, I have heard of thee with the hearing of the ear, but now my eye has seen thee. It's something that you see clearly without argument, no matter what somebody else might see or not see, you see it. And you're not going to argue about it. You're not going to fold up like a lawn chair when somebody disagrees with you about it. Or let me put it this way. Faith is a holding something precious, something treasured, something necessary to you and to your life, holding it, gripping it tightly in your hand. It is seeing something, beholding something clearly that you know is real. Holding and beholding. Holding and beholding. 20 years ago, almost, Ann and I stood facing each other 
in the chancel of First Presbyterian Church in downtown Houston. We were being joined in the inviolable covenant of marriage. We were becoming, we were in the process right then and there of becoming husband and wife. It was glorious. <laughs> it was a great day, wasn't it? Still is. We, we have the greatest, I'm sorry if that y'all aren't us, we have the greatest life. We love each other. We love to be together. It's, I'll confess this, it's kind of hard to be here. We'd rather just be home being together. But no, I, sorry, Taylor. No, I really love to be here. Thank you. But there we were, standing face to face. We had both come out of, how should I put it, less than optimal situations. A lot of loneliness for both of us, separate from each other. Um, some days of utter demoralization. Both of us slogging through the slew of despond. I won't speak for her, I'll speak for myself. I really had gotten to the place where I thought God had lost my file somewhere. They didn't know where I was. That all of this I'd been telling people all of my adult life somehow now wasn't applying to me, that his grace and his mercy were somehow for others, and it just didn't seem to be working and cooking for me at that point. I'll tell you how bad it got for me. I was seriously considering becoming a Catholic. Now, I got nothing. I have a lot of friends who are Catholics. I know there are Catholics who believe in Jesus. and I'm not, I'm not saying that. But that would have been so far afield from every pillar that my life had been, been built upon. I, I was in a bad way. But by his mercy, by his sovereign grace and provision, he brought these two together. We like to say we were like two flaming comets that just collided and formed the new planet. Here we were, and so here we were, standing, facing each other in the process of becoming husband and wife. Well, the point in the service came to exchange rings. I'll never forget this. I took her hand in my hand. I gripped that hand so tight. I was not about to let her go. I had, I had a grip on her that was as if it was for my very life. And, and I think you might have told me later, I almost broke a couple of bones. I can't remember that part. But I, I had a holder. I was holding her because she was precious and a treasure. And somehow she was part of what was making my life my life. And I wasn't going to let go. I pity any fool that tries to get her out of my grip. I'm holding her tightly. And I begin to peer into those beautiful brown eyes and I, I, I look into her soul. I'm beholding who she really was. Everything that had been purported to be true about her, I'm now beholding. It didn't matter to me at that point what anyone out there in that congregation might have thought about her or not thought about her. I knew that I was looking at the true and the real, and I was holding, and I was beholding 
Then I slipped the ring on her broken hand. And, and here are the vows. Listen to this. This is going to make some of you husbands cringe. With this ring, I thee wed. With my body, I thee worship. With all my earthly possessions, I thee endow. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Something began to rise up within me. As I'm holding and, and beholding and, and confessing, declaring publicly my love and my devotion and my surrender. Something began to rise up within me and it was like this. I think I'm going to make it. I think I'm going to live. I am alive. I've been found. I've been rescued. I am saved in the holding and the beholding. You know, there's a great potency, life-changing potency in holding and beholding. If we would have had the time this morning to go through Hebrews 11, here's what you would have heard. By faith, holding and beholding, Abel. By faith, holding and beholding, Enoch. By faith, holding and beholding, Noah. By faith, Abraham. By faith, Sarah. By faith, Isaac. By faith, Jacob. By faith, Joseph. By faith, Moses. By faith, the children crossing the Red Sea on dry ground. By faith, the walls of Jericho coming down. By faith, even Rahab the harlot. By faith, Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and all the prophets who by faith conquered kingdoms, enforced righteousness, obtained promises, closed the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, became strong in their weakness, became mighty in battle, put enemy armies to flight, and even received their dead back from the grave. The Bible goes on to say that some of these faith walkers in their holding and their beholding suffered torture. It goes on to say that others of these faith walkers in their holding and their beholding were mocked and flogged and put in chains and thrown into prisons. Others of these faith walkers, the word of God says, holding and beholding were stoned, sawn in two, put to the edge of the sword. They walked around in the skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, and mistreated. They wandered about in deserts and mountains, living in caves and dens of the earth. These people of whom the world was not worthy. Not worthy. These people who were strangers and sojourners, exiles and Pilgrims in the earth, the offscouring of the world, the outcasts and the cast-offs, the misfits, the losers, the world was not worthy of them. But the Bible says their God said, I'm not ashamed to be called their God.
They gave up everything. They surrendered everything. They suffered the loss of all things because they were in love. Because they were in love. They were in love not with an idea, but with a person. They they were wed not to a point of view, but to a person. And this person was the pre-existent, preeminent, prophesied, promised, proclaimed, provided Jesus who took their sins in his body on the tree by whose stripes they and you were healed and are healed, who though he was rich became poor for their sakes so that by his poverty we might become rich. Jesus, who though he knew no sin, became sin for them and for us so that in Jesus we might become the righteousness of God. Let me risk hurting some of you here today. The five solas will not save you. If I were in the mission, I'd get an amen for that. The five solas, well, because they don't know what the solas even are, so it's... <laughs> they barely know what planet they're on half the time. The five solas will not save you. Sorry. The Reformation will not save you. Luther, Calvin, and Zwingli will not save you. Your tight theological system will not save you. Your doctrinal purity will not save you. Your denominational distinctives will not save you. Your ecclesiastical involvements will not save you. Giving to the poor will not save you. Feeding the hungry will not save you. Now listen to this one. Even being able to read the scriptures in the original languages will not save you. Only Jesus Christ and him crucified. Only Jesus Christ risen from the dead, defeating death, hell, and the grave for you, held by you, beheld by you, will save you. When I was 17 years old, 50 years ago, in case anybody's wondering, When I was 17 years old, the will of God conspired against my will. And through a series of encounters and involvements, brought me to a place where I fell to my knees by the side of my bed one night and gave everything I understood about myself, which wasn't much, to everything I knew about Jesus, which was precious little. You know what? It was enough for him. It was enough for him. And I can't tell you that my eyes spun in the sockets or steam came out of my ears or I spoke in an unknown tongue, but I knew that I knew that I knew through the witness of the Holy Spirit bearing witness with my spirit that I was now a bona fide, not a church mouse, but a child of the living God. Knew it still on my knees as as the grace and mercy of Jesus began to 
surround the need. Enfold me. Cocoon me. I found this rising up within my soul. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, my Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. But on the third day, but on the third day, but on the third day, he rose again from the dead. I believe in Jesus Christ crucified, dead, and buried. But on the third day, he rose again from the dead over and over again. I believe in Jesus Christ, crucified, dead, and buried. But on the third day, he rose again from the dead. And then I began to do some self-talk as this was going on. I began to have a conversation within myself. He is here. He is real. He is with me. I am alive. I am saved. He is here. He is real. He is with me. I am alive. I am saved right there by my bed, right there in my room, just myself and, and a living Jesus. I believe in Jesus Christ, crucified, dead, and buried, who on the third day rose again from the dead. He is here. He is real. He is with me. I am alive. I am saved. Make like you're in the mission. Now listen to me, that was 50 years ago. That was 50 years ago. During the intervening five decades, I've, um, I've stood on the high place. I've walked through the valley of the shadow of death, and I've been everywhere else in between, and it's not over yet. I have several theological degrees. I know a lot. I've learned a lot. I've grown tremendously as a Christian man. I might even say I've gotten fairly erudite and sophisticated. But I have to tell you, my witness today, you want to know what my witness is today? All those 50 years of all that stuff. Oh, wow. I actually served in Hollywood, California for a while. Can you believe that? How's that? Does that make me real? Not a good deal. But you, you want to know, after all of that, following Jesus, living and moving and having my being in Jesus Christ, and all the ups and downs, the ins and the outs, the victories and the failures, all of that, 
50 years later, do you want to, can I share with you what my testimony is today? I believe in Jesus Christ, crucified, dead, and buried, who on the third day rose again from the dead. He is here. He is real. He is with me. I am alive in him. I am saved by his grace. There it is. (laughs) Along the way, I came to the conclusion, and I believe it was the Holy Spirit that brought me to this conclusion, that the one whom I apprehended that night by the side of my bed had before the councils of eternity already apprehended me. The one whom I was holding onto for dear life in my hand before the mountains and the hills were even brought forth had already been holding me in his omnipotence. And the one whom I was beholding clearly as being true and real for me had before the first star been spun into space guided my steps by his omniscience all the way to the cross. So I stand here today to tell you I and my beloveds and he is mine And his banner over me is love. Have I told you that the Christian faith consists of personal pronouns? It's one thing to play the court theologian. Get all high-minded and high and mighty and say, Jesus Christ, I assert Jesus Christ is the Savior. It's another thing altogether. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and confess with your mouth, I surrender all. I surrender all. All to thee, my blessed Savior. I surrender all. Christ is mine. I came by here today to tell you one thing. You ready? I've been winding up to this one thing. Hold fast the word of life, Jesus Christ. Behold with your eye the Lamb of God who taketh away the sin of the world, Jesus Christ. He is here. He is real. He is with us. We are alive in him. We are saved by his grace. Jesus Christ, superior to, supreme over.